It's back to school week and all of us have just looked at our calendar and realized that we have no more free time because we signed our kids up for everything. Uh, this episode of Parenting Porcupines, we're gonna be talking about kids and the arts. We're the Libertarian Moms, let's get it going. So coming in just a couple minutes late today because you're uh, finishing up the summer version of the Scouts and uh, we're now looking at the calendar to look at what's going to happen this fall and how many have you already started paying for youth leagues and um, camps and, you know, I mean, of course, summer was mostly the camps, but all your after school activities, all those kinds of things. Have you started getting those those bills in place? Oh, yes. Yes. We registered for dance. Yeah. Uh, last week we registered, or this past week we registered for dance. Yeah. So there's just the registration register for fee, dance. Yep. yep. The the recital fee, half this fee. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a lot. The costume fees. Yeah. You have to yeah. at least check the boxes that say you read all these things, and so you know you're going to have to pay all of these things as we move yeah, forward. Pay pay half now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking about the arts. You know, I, I've, I've been wanting to talk about kids and art for a while. I know the three of us um, have pretty healthy relationships with arts. We spent a lot of time on Hamilton last week talking about Broadway and musicals and things like that. Um, but a lot of times I talk to parents whose kids have very little exposure to the arts uh, for whatever reason. Maybe the parents themselves aren't that interested in it. Maybe their time is eaten up with sports for whatever reason, um, but that their kids haven't really, or maybe their kids aged out. They just don't seem to be that interested in the arts anymore. And so I thought as we're going back to school and we're thinking about some of these extracurricular activities our kids are getting involved in, we could talk about why it's important to stay involved in the arts, even if you're not necessarily the very best artist that ever walked the planet. Um, so I kind of wanted to start with that. Holly and I have been going to see Dracula uh, just about every year for, I guess, five or six years in a row we've done this. We go see the Columbia City Ballet do Dracula. And it's not a surprise to anybody that knows me, it's mostly because it's vampires um, and I love me some vampires, but also because Holly's been in ballet since she's three years old and she's not the a professional ballet dancer, right? She doesn't, she doesn't want to try out for company. She's not going to pursue this for a college scholarship. Like this is not a passion for her necessarily. It's just something she enjoys doing and she likes to watch ballet and she likes to go to the ballet. And so we've been frequently frequent visitors to, to see Dracula. And so I was wondering if there's anything that you guys have like that, that you do on an annual basis with your kids. Like, is it the nutcracker around Christmas time? Or is there some kind of art thing that you do every year with the kid that seems to be a little bit like a ritual? We haven't established any sort of ritual yet. Um, but we have talked, we're very fortunate. We live in, in Greenville. We have the peace center here. And with the peace center, we have, um, seasonal Broadway schedules. And so we get a lot of the good Broadway plays that come to the Peace Center. And then as kind of an offshoot of that, the Peace Center has um, kid programs. They have a children's theater and things like that. So you can go see shows there. And we actually saw Charlie Brown Christmas one year. We took Caldwell to that and he really enjoyed it because he went through a phase where he loved all things Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Um, but what Holly went through that phase too. But what we're really excited about is um, because, you know, we talked a lot about Hamilton last week. My kids, both of my kids love Hamilton, the musical. And so that's kind of our gateway. Here to Charleston. Yeah, we're well, it's coming back to the Peace Center. And so we're really excited because we're going to try to take our kids because I think that's going to be their gateway to that form of artistry. 
Um, but our go-to has been concerts. My kids love music. We all love music. We're a music family. Um, we do a lot of Ava brothers when they're touring. My kids love the brothers. And so, uh, that's, I think the art that they appreciate. So we go to a lot of concerts. Yeah, we do that too. We're definitely live music people. And especially yeah. if the band is playing in a place that's an all ages show, we'll take Holly with us so that she can get exposed to some of these bands that are, you know, on smaller circuits. They haven't really hit yeah. it big yet. And mm -hmm. so the tickets are 15, 16, 18 bucks. Mm -hmm. And we'll go in and we'll see them. And she, it's, it's a band, usually a band that she's heard us listening to, um, but she gets exposure to that. So we took yeah. her one night, we took her out a Thursday night when she had school the next morning. <laughs> and I told her it's like 1030 at night. And she's like Don't falling asleep in the bar and she's like, can I please go home? And I was like, you will never regret seeing Bad Flower. I am just going to tell you that you will yeah. never regret seeing this show. Um, and I don't know. So far, she hasn't regretted it. I think the next morning she kind of did because I did make her get up and go to school the next day. But what about you, Melissa? Do you guys have like an annual tradition or something you do every year? <clears throat> um, not, not really. Our annual arts tradition is I insist we all watch white christmas because it is my favorite movie ever and it's a musical it's got singing and dancing and bing crosby and danny Kaye, and it's the best thing ever ever so i do make them watch that that is well now do your kids tradition. like musical do they like musical films anyway because holly will she'll watch them all man she'll watch singing in the rain she watches my fair lady like we she'll had watch them all. okay so i got my second uh my second vaccine shot on thursday and yesterday i was wiped out so we had a pajama popcorn and movie day Ooh. and it started we had listened we had read ella enchanted yeah. which i didn't know was a book because i love the movie so we watched that movie because we had finished the book and then we watched princess diaries 2 because the kids had seen the first one and he had hathaway's in it and then i pointed out to them that the queen was mary poppins and so we had to watch Mary Poppins. And so they're like, oh, well, are there other like song and dance? Cause there's song and dance. So we, then we watched Singing in the Rain. Yeah. I'm like, let's go. You want to watch dance that's movies? Awesome. We'll watch dance movies. Yeah. I love some dance yeah. movies. Yeah, I mean, that's Holly too. She will binge them. She, when it started when she was really little, we started with Sound of Music, right? And that mm -hmm. Sound of Music was the film that was like oh. on all day every day for like months, right? And then of course, Mary Poppins and she was like, visually stunned when she found out that friends of hers had never seen Mary Poppins. <laughs> She's like, how is that possible? I've known yeah. Mary Poppins longer than I've been able to walk. Like, there was a so. solid two years that Wizard of Oz was the only thing Jackson wanted to watch. Yep. He loved Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yep. we went. We definitely went through a Wizard of Oz phase around here too. Um, although I think she has more empathy for the witch than most people normally do, <laughs> <laughs> because we're also big fans of Wicked too, right? Uh, yeah. uh, well, so why do you think it's important that kids get exposed to the arts like that? Why do you think it it matters to them? What do you think, Jess? Oh gosh, um, I mean, I think when you look at the arts, whether it's music or whether it's paintings or photography or any kind of art, we talked about this before. I think that art is a good bridge to other cultures, to other ways of life, to other experiences. And so I think giving, having, having an, an opportunity for kids to have that exposure to different types of art, um, it, it gives them it gives them an opportunity to have some visibility into other things that they may not otherwise have cultures experiences things like that 
Yeah, I think you're onto something with that. And I think, you know, art more than anything creates empathy in us, right? When we watch other people experience struggle and when we watch other people experience victory and we, we cre it creates empathy in us. And as much as we expose ourselves and our children to art, their empathy skills get a lot stronger too, right? Yeah. And they, they learn to identify with other people who are experiencing struggles that maybe they can recognize from having seen some kind of theater or film or read something a book. Yeah, and something they relate to within that art, you know, something that, that grabs their attention that they can say, you know, that experience in that play resonates with them because of some experience they've had. I mean, that's, I think that's something that happens at a very early age. Yeah, and there's, there's just a, no substitute for life. For life. That, mm -hmm. it, there's, you a got it, there's a lot of universe, universality yeah. to the human experience. Like yeah. we all doubt ourselves. We all think, oh my God, everybody's awesome and I suck. We all have these moments or, you know, I can't accomplish this. Oh, look, I did it. It's very universal experiences. And to see that no matter what the, where the person is coming from, you can see their art and say, oh, I had, yeah, I relate. And it makes people human. Like we might not yeah. speak the same language or have the same experiences, but you're a human just like I am. I think you're onto something even as important as that empathy piece, because when we recognize that other people have had the same experience that we are having, we can put our own experiences into context, right? Oh, so our experience doesn't seem to be the most unbelievable transformational nobody's ever experienced this pain ever before oh, the ever. Teen, the teenage years. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not quite that ever. dramatic. Cause it's like, well, come on, don't you remember that happened to this character in that show? And this happened to this person on that show and you're, oh, yeah. so other I'm people have experienced this before ever. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your experience is not unique, I assure you. You're experiencing something that at least one person on the planet has already been through. Let's go find out how they handled it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, we have a guest host. Hello, doggy. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, so I think that's a big part of it is developing that empathy, but it's also putting yourself into a universal context and recognizing that other people have had this experience before you and then finding the solutions there too. How did they handle it? Was that the right way to handle it? When you see art or when you experience experience songs or if it's theater or if it's a film, do you talk about these kinds of things with your kids? Like, do you try to break it down and have um, some analysis of it? Or is it just like, man, that was awesome. I think it depends. I mean, yes, 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 we do. Um, I'm, I can't think of any other examples off the cuff except for Hamilton. Right. That's well, it's right behind me. Line. It's a little distracting. Yeah, because that, you know, that's such a historical, it's based in, in such rich history and such important history that There's it's a, it's a great, about, right? it, there is yeah. a lot to talk about. And it's, it's yeah. a great gateway to having those conversations. But I think that's true in a lot of other, a lot of other instances as well. We've had a lot of opportunity to have conversation around things that, you know, hey, did you notice how this character was treated by these yeah. other characters? 
how do you think it made that character feel? What did that character do? How did that character respond? And do you think that was the right response? And how do you know it was not the right response, right? And we, I mean, part of that is me being a writer, we break down everything. So we'll yeah. like, we will break down the story in my house. There are, there are like little tips or um, phrases out of storytelling that my whole family knows where I'll be like, hey, what just happened? And the whole family will go, raise the stakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's what's just happened. So, like in the film Moana, when Moana takes the boat out the very first time, she fails, right? She goes out and, mm -hmm. and she gets crushed by the um by the waves. And I ask Holly, I'm like, why does it matter that she fails the first time she goes out? And Holly's like, Well, you got to know how difficult it's gonna be. She yeah. thinks it's gonna be easy and she needs to know how difficult it's gonna be. And that's what that setback does. And like that's why yeah. it's a setback. It gives her that's a why we to try mm -hmm. again. Resilience. Yeah. And so we do that with just about everything. And some of that is because I'm an English major and, and a writer and all that. But some of it too is just a way to help her recognize things in her own life when, yeah. hey, this is just a setback. And you know, you had to figure out how hard it was going to be. And now that you know, what do you have to do to be able to overcome it the next time that you encounter this? Um, and so that's been really useful to us too. We can use art to take this. It's not a spotlight on how Holly is doing or what's happening to her individually. As much as we can say, hey, you know, it looks a little bit like this thing over here, and it's easier to talk about it when you put it in the context of a character right. that's experiencing it instead, right? Yeah, because you're not commenting on her and what she's doing, right. yeah, which can feel like attacking and very... Right. And instead it's more of a hate. Yeah. 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 Or I, I, and I'm not criticizing you for the choice you made. I'd like for you to understand why that choice might not have been the right one. Right. Um, and so that creates a, a little bit of a better dialogue for us. What about school? Are you satisfied with the opportunities that your kids get to experience the arts through school? I mean, do they have classes? Do they have field trips? Like, <laughs> well, before why? COVID they had field trips. <laughs> back in the olden days back in the olden days, days. We call in them the, the good old days. days yeah um we're pretty fortunate because again we live in greenville which is kind of a little melting pot because we have a lot of international companies and so my my children go to well uh well yeah i guess both of them go to us to go to schools where there are a lot of children from a lot of different backgrounds um we have a lot of people from Italy. We've got people from Germany, India, China. I mean, we've got tons of, of different cultures in Greenville. Um, and so my kids go to schools that are, that are rich in culture already. But I think that my kids' schools do a very good job of, for public schools, providing some um, opportunities to engage in activities that maybe foster more conversation and more experience of other people's cultures. Uh, one of the things that my that my son's elementary school do, both of them went to the same elementary school, but they have um, in fifth grade, it's called Immigration Day, and they talk about the original like immigrants to America and the different cultures that immigrated here. And so they have that whole day that's dedicated to, to that educational experience, those conversations. Um, they have people bring in food that are specific for those cultures. It's, it's really cool. It's really cool. So yeah, I think we're pretty fortunate that our, that our kids' schools do that. Um, obviously, I think it's important that parents do that too, but, but we are we are fortunate in that regard. Right.
What do you think, Melissa? Is your schools or your local schools doing a pretty good job of offering arts opportunities? Well, both my girls, uh, up until this year, my third graders starting a new school, but my girls went to a Montessori school and they each day was a different special area. So they had music and they had art and they both loved it. They seem to be learning about music and art. Yeah. So that's good. There's no, they're too young to have like band and chorus and right all, all that. They're still too young. But my uh, son is starting sixth grade and he is going to uh, attempt band. Band for sixth graders, as I understand it, is. <laughs> Godspeed, is, friend. Godspeed. Is um, <laughs> you get to just try out all the instruments. Yeah. So Holly did like, band in what? Yeah. No, Jackson Holly, had to pick one. He had to yeah. pick one. No. And, and Holly had to audition. Try them all out. No, He's no, playing no, no, the no. saxophone. We got a little no, no. Kenny G over Jackson here. Awesome. A budding Kenny G. Yeah. In our <laughs> Holly, had, Holly had to audition because she wanted percussion. And of course, everybody wants percussion. And so they only let a certain number of students actually play the drums. And she had to audition to, to get percussion. And she did. Oh but after a year of having done it, she was like, yeah, I'm good here. I'm going to go back to get she plays guitar and bass. She's oh, like, I'm going back see, to my guitar and bass. She'd my rather cousin, be in the rock band than the marching band. See, we should have gotten some insight from my cousin. She went to School of the Arts. Like, it's literally a high school. It's a eighth night. I think it starts in eighth might start in seventh, but eighth through 12th. And it's a arts high school, um, fine arts, dancing. Uh, I think there's cooking, band, chorus, like design, fashion. Yeah. Well, the governor's graduate. school up in, up in Greenville, yeah. the governor's school for the arts is, is that way too. And because yes. it's like a live, live away high school, my mom oh. is like, doesn't Holly want to audition for the governor's school? And I'm like, not even a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. We're not sending this our daughter to live in Greenville so that you can yeah. be right next door to her and we will be two hours away. We're not doing yeah. that. You take, you take a bus. Yeah, but, we're, not, uh, we're not doing that. Um, so what about, but, yeah. well, I just want to ask about this because you mentioned um, graphic design, like graphic arts, right? There's a lot of computer-based arts right now and that's what Holly's really into. She's big time into drawing. She wants to be an animator. Um, specifically in software developed um, animation. She's very interested in uh, 2D animation. So like the classic two dimensional yeah, yeah, yeah. animation, she really likes that. That's a style that she's a big fan of. And she's, so she's learning more and more about animation. But I'm wondering about encouraging her in an arts career direction because I'm a writer and I was told like, well, that's nice that you can write, but you're not gonna make a living at that. So you need to go get a real job and you can like write on the side. And here I am 44 years old, still not making a living as a writer. And I'm wondering like if I had been committed to that from the very beginning, if there might've been something for me. Um, and I'm wondering about people whose kids are into sculpture or drawing or you know things like that, that these are, um, maybe so-called difficult arts careers or difficult to make a career as a as an artist um, and and if people are warning their kids away from these sort of starving artist type careers what do you think Jess I don't think now obviously I'm not there yet but I don't think that I will ever be the parent that discourages my kids from doing something they're passionate about I don't, I don't ever want to be that parent who says, 
you can't be an artist because that's going to be really hard because what right. message does that send? Right. Um, I think because I am a huge advocate for trades. And so my kids are going to learn a trade. Both of my boys are going to learn a trade when they're in high school. That is something that I am very adamant about that they do so that they will always, whether they decide to be the next Vincent Van Gogh <laughs> or they decide to be the next Elon Musk while they're building their empire, they can do something they can to make think. money, right? To pay their yeah. bills, to feed their families <laughs> right. and whatever they need to do. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that there's something to be said for kids who have that passion. And I don't think that we should ever discourage that because I think the world needs that. So, yeah. I mean, I think if Holly were committed to I'm going to be on Broadway and she was taking voice lessons and dance lessons and trying out for every single theater that she could possibly get into and she was on stage and she wanted to go to New York and audition and all this kind of thing, I think that would be a difficult career path for me to really encourage and support because it is such a such a long shot career path, right? But, well, and, yeah. and it takes a lot of sacrifice from the parents also. Yeah, and a lot <laughs> so, yeah, of God, less, yeah. That, yeah. But I think you have to have conversations too. Like that's where yeah. it's really important. And I think we've touched on this in some past episodes, especially, you know, the one where we talked about college versus trades and those sorts of things. But it's the same, the same conversation. You have to talk to your kids, right? You have to make sure that they understand um if this Reality. is the career path that you choose, <laughs> this is what you're going to have to do to be successful. Yeah. And help them build out that plan, whatever it looks like, and make sure that they know that 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 this doesn't happen like it happens in movies, right? right. Like you're not gonna just go to New York and all of a sudden you're gonna have your big break. That that very rarely happens. And so making sure that they understand that these are the things that you need to do. It's it's a process, like everything else to be successful. Um we were in Charlotte the first couple of years that Charlie and I were married. We were in Charlotte. He was playing drums in a rock band. And part of the reason that we did that was because we didn't have a mortgage. We didn't really have very much in terms of debt. And we thought now's the time, right? Like now's the time to pursue this, this dream of being a yeah. professional drummer, of being in a, in a band as a profession. And after a few years, it was okay. We're the guys that he was with were not as serious about it. Like they, they had other jobs, they finished graduate school, that kind of thing. They were ready to move on. And at that point, you know, we were kind of tired of being broke. So like, okay, let's go get a real job. Now we know bands that we're listening to them for the first time. This is their debut on Octane or on Alt Nation or whatever. And yet they've been around for 10 years. They've been playing clubs. They've been, you know, picking up odd jobs. They've been sleeping on couches because they were so passionate about their music yeah. that they put in a decade's worth of work before they finally got noticed and finally got signed and finally sort of broke through, right? And so I kind of think of myself that way on my on the writing side too. Like, yeah, I have two novels, but it's probably going to be like novel four, five, and six where somebody actually pays attention to what I'm doing because as a writer, you expect the same thing. Like you need a portfolio. You need people to know that you've gotten really good at your craft and you've put in your time there. Um, and so I'm not as on the side of like discouraging those careers, but I definitely agree with you, Jessica, that it's about being realistic about what's it gonna take to build a career in that particular way. And then how do you make sure you still have what you need to survive um, from a skills perspective or from an educational perspective? Mm -hmm. 
there's an emotional wellness factor that goes along with being exposed to arts and education. And we talked a little bit about this before in terms of developing empathy, but do, do your kids have art that they participate in as a way to sort of blow off steam or to express themselves or to, you know, maybe make sense of the, the you know, the monsters under the bed and in my head or, or something like that? Is there some kind of artistic outlet that they have? My girls dance. We just signed up for dance <laughs> and a lot of dance. Um, do they dance around the house even when they're not like do. at dance? Oh yes, yeah. oh yes. It is always a dance recital at my house, always. <laughs> There's always someone singing and dancing through the house. It's usually the little one because she just, she craves attention and a stage. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it's an outlet. It's a hobby. It's a way to relax and, and I danced for, 20 years, I was never going to be on Broadway, but right. it is so much fun. Yeah. Like it's just the funnest thing ever. So I did it. I don't care. <laughs> I admire people who can do that though. I have like zero coordination as far as dancing is concerned. What about you, Jessica? Do your boys have something they do artistically? I wouldn't say artistically. Um, called what? Well, Jackson likes to draw. Um, he's always been more of a sports kid. Um, he likes to, it's, he makes whips like, like Indiana Jones watch whips. Um, he taught himself how to do that and he likes to fish. So he likes to like make flies and make lures and things like that. But I mean, in, in terms of like traditional arts, they don't at, you know, they don't have anything like that, but you know, they have other outlets. Yeah. So, but well, they appreciate, they do appreciate, um, you know, musicals and paintings and things like that. So that's kind of cool. Do you, uh, so Holly likes to draw um, and she enjoys being in art museums. She likes to walk through art museums and, and look at art. Um, and she also likes music. She likes to play music and we'll hear her upstairs playing either her ukulele or guitar or something like that. Or she's teaching herself the piano right now. So she's um, working on that. And she, I know she comes by that musical talent from my husband. So, but um, <laughs> do you bore your children with, with art museums and art galleries and things like that? When you go to a new city, do you drag them through those kinds of places or is that not the kind of place that you seek out? So my kids love stuff like that, though, like anything historical, artsy fartsy museums like my kids enjoy things like that. So we do seek those out, but we do it because they do enjoy them. They appreciate those things for what they are. Um, and I think that's because we have a lot of conversations about, you know, why things are important, like history tours are important because you want to know the history of the region or, you know, Art, art museums are kind of cool because it's art and you might not ever get to see it again. Right. Um, and, and my parents always, well, I say my parents, my dad, because um, growing up, I, I didn't have a lot of opportunities. My, my parents didn't have a lot of opportunities when they were growing up. And so my dad made sure that we had those opportunities and he made sure that we knew how important they were. And so those are conversations we've had with our kids and I think that's part of why they enjoy them. So mm -hmm. I think there's like a whole whole thing there. But <laughs> my dad dragged us through the National Gallery of Art, I want to say 
on on the regular. Like yeah. it was probably at least once a year that we were driven into DC to go through the National Gallery of Art. And when we went to Paris, we went through the Louvre. When we went to Amsterdam, we went through I'm art so museums jealous. in Amsterdam. I mean, yeah, and my sister, so Kristen and I like broke off and we're like wandering around the Louvre and we're just like taking pictures of ourselves and you know, whatever. And we get back, we meet up with my dad, my older sister, and they're like, well, did you see the Venus de Milo? And we're like, we don't know what that is. <laughs> and my dad's like, tall, naked lady, no arms. We're like, yeah, yeah, we totally saw her. You know? yeah. And we were basically just wondering, like we didn't want to, he was, they were standing in line in front of these things. They were being very strategic about what they were going to see. Mm -hmm. And Kristen and I just wanted to explore. And so we're like, oh, there's a big crowd over there. I wonder what they're looking at. Oh, it's the Mona Lisa. Look at that. <laughs> you know, so like, we, we were not very you know, um, strategic about it, but we definitely developed a, uh, an appreciation for art museums and wanting to do that. And Charlie and I, whenever we go anywhere, we'll usually seek out whatever the local art exhibit is and spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes. When we went down to Pensacola last year, one of the things that we did was walk through an art exhibit while we were there. And Holly just fascinated by everything we're seeing in there. So that's something we always build into our trips wherever we go is like, what's what local art is around here? And if it's free, that's even better. So usually like college campuses will have like a local art, you know, uh, display on the college campus and stuff like that. So we usually seek those places out. But yeah, I remember being a kid and just being bored out of my mind. Why are we here? Yes. I, 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 there's we, nowhere to we sit. Don't, we don't do that because <laughs> we're outnumbered by children and it is not fun for anybody. Right. Like it's I just a waste, it's a waste of time and money because I spend the entire time just annoyed at them because yeah. they don't care. <laughs> and I want to look. Like I love the art. I want to look at the art and they have, want nothing to do with it. And it just yeah. makes me mad. So it's just, <laughs> we go to the aquarium. They love the aquarium. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a specific kind of art in the aquarium yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Animals in captivity. It's like my friends are like, Hey, do you ever take your kids <laughs> to the, uh, to the, like to the art museums? And stuff? They're like, Oh, we have season tickets to the zoo. I'm like, that's not the same thing, but okay. <laughs> I mean, Elvita. Yeah, I mean, uh, what about, so um, there's a couple of links in the show notes. If you guys haven't seen the show notes yet, they're out on parentingporcupines.com. I'll put the banner up here so you can see that real quick. Um, and the last three links there are talking about how good art and creativity are for childhood development. Um, and I was thinking about this, like, these are, I think... Melissa, your youngest is the youngest of our crew, right? Um, so this is really more for like little, little kids in terms of getting involved in art to improve fine motor skills and learning basic math and letters and things like that. I'm not sure how relevant that is for like our kids and, and the ages that our kids are, but I definitely remember when Holly was really little that her kindergarten teacher was very cognizant of that. Like there was a lot of in school projects that were like art based projects that were finger painting and watercolors and all this kind of thing. And I don't think it's because she was trying to turn them all into professional finger painters as much as like this is a way for them to express themselves and kind of figure out, you know, how they want to um, interact with their own emotions and with the story that we're learning and things like that. And I'm interested that those things kind of fall off. Like it seems like as we get into like fifth grade, sixth grade and a little bit higher, that the learning environment isn't as conducive to that anymore. Like we don't have art projects right, anymore. Essay. Yeah. No, it has to yeah, be. Yeah, or take a test. About that, but that is a very, a very good, uh, very good point. I've never actually noticed that or thought about it. 
very much. We were doing um, new hire training at Cenex and I had a collage um, exercise where I brought in a whole stack of magazines and I, they would just spend time. We had just learned the financial services that Cenex could offer to our customers. And now they had to make a collage out of all these magazines that was going to be like expressing what they had learned. Like they needed to then tell me what they had learned through this collage. And um, I had students that were just like, this is ridiculous. We're not kindergartners. I can't believe we were making us do this, blah, blah, blah. And then I had other people that were like, that was amazing. I haven't had oh. to do a collage since I was like nine years old. <laughs> and now of course we have like vision boards and everybody's all obsessed with collages, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like super trendy to make a vision board and like think of yourself and your vision board and all this. Um, but at the time, like we're talking 10 years ago, you know, people were looking at me like I was crazy for using a collage as an exercise. But I wonder why that is. Like, I wonder why we get away from those artistic expressions of the way that we can use art to, to give back the knowledge that we've just been transferred, right? Like I just learned this about World War II and now I'm gonna write a song about it, right? Or now I'm gonna do a dance, you know, that's gonna interpret something that's happened or whatever. I wonder why we get away from that. Cause you can't grade it. <laughs> Cause there's no rubric. <laughs> there's no rubric. <laughs> I mean, we had, I remember in seventh grade in California, we got a chance to, we had to um, do some kind of creative presentation about a book that we had read. And me and two of my girlfriends wrote a rap song. Like we were rapping about the book that we had read. Cause this is like back in the age of like DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So, you know, we thought we were badasses with this. Um, but like, I just wonder why that is, like why teachers get away from, from using art as a way to communicate. I don't think that, <sighs> at least in the public school system. I don't think that it's conducive to creativity. You can say that again. <laughs> I mean, it's just not, you know, they, they have these, 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 these boxes that kids have to, to fit into. And it, it's no very much a black and white. It's there's no, and, and creativity is, is a gray area. It is a huge gray area. It's, it's all gray. There's yeah. like, there's no black and white in creativity. And so yeah. I think that, you know, public schools especially are just not, they're not an environment where that is allowed to, to, to flourish. And so, you know, I think that, that teachers often, that I don't think they have the freedom to allow it anymore. Unfortunately, well, and, and I think Melissa's onto something with the evaluation piece. I mean, teachers are so up against the wall about how to evaluate yeah. students and how to evaluate yeah. progress and how to evaluate knowledge transfer that they don't necessarily have a, a good way of evaluating an artistic expression. Yeah, yeah. there was a um, they did a campus wide creative festival at the University of South Carolina in January of 2020, right before COVID sort of took us all down, and. Um, different student groups got to put on these different sort of fusion creativity at uh, things. And like one of the groups had done school hallways and they had gone into school, into this one school and they had created um, creative ways to walk down the hall. So like you would go down one hall and it would be um, skipping 
and you could see where like the, the like the sign would say now you skip and everybody was supposed to skip during that part of the hall and then there was like one where they had put these arrows where it would tell you like to spin around so you'd like take three steps and then spin around and then the next person behind you would spin around and so like as your lines were going through the hall and the idea was that the time spent walking from place to place in the elementary school is time where their brains are not really engaged so if you could create these creative ways for them to move from place to place you could keep their brains engaged even while they were moving what you could make use of that downtime so to speak right and we had some conversation holly and i were fascinated by this like because they had laid them all out on the sidewalk and we were like running through all of them and uh, we were asking all these questions like what was it like to do this in the school and all this and we were both fast when can you come to red top elementary <laughs> put it into holly school um but the two, one of the questions we have is about like, sometimes you need that downtime in between instruction time. So sometimes you need that brain break to just be sort of doing something mindless. So were they then taking that like brain break away if they were trying to force creativity into that space was some of the conversation we had around it. So I don't know, it was, but it's fascinating. Um, Campus-wide creative uh, fair, and we only saw about a third of it and we were there all day. And we only saw about a third of what these students had put together. It was amazing. Um, so, and I can't remember the guy that was organizing it is who invited us to be part of it. So, um, all right. I think that's probably all we really have to say on this in terms of creativity <laughs> and art and kids. And I mean, we're all kind of on the same page. It's not much of a debate, right? Um, I don't think that any of us are in favor of federally funded art programs necessarily um, in as much as we just wish that people were given more opportunity to be creative in their everyday experience, right? Mm. Yeah. Or taught to be creative. Can you can you I'm teach sure. people I to be creative? Know. I don't think you can teach people to be creative, but I think you can provide children an environment where you foster creativity. And so remove barriers. Yeah. You allow them to be creative in their own space, in their own time, in their own way, and you encourage them to do that. And I think that's really important. So if it's that they are playing dress up and playing, you know, prince and princess, or, you know, if they are building communities with Legos or Lincoln logs, that's probably really dated and I'm probably showing my age. Um, well, they do know, it with Minecraft though. Legos. I mean, yeah. so, Minecraft is basically digital Legos. I mean, yeah. that's really all Minecraft is. But I think giving children a space where they can explore that creativity, um, in their way and then when you have opportunities if there's a play nearby or a concert or um a symphony you know letting kids see that i think it's it's just a really cool thing for kids to get to do i will log this particular complaint i am a huge fan of classical music i love classical music my husband Me loves too. classical music holly <laughs> hates it and the reason she hates it is that they punished them with it in elementary school Oh, and no. that they would play the oh. classical music would come on and everybody had to be quiet. You weren't allowed to speak to your friends when the classical music was playing in the cafeteria. And then they would turn the music off. And now you could talk with your friends for like three minutes. Mm. And then the noise level would get to such that they would put the classical music back on. And that meant you had to be quiet. And they basically ruined my daughter for classical music. That is unfortunate. That yeah, is yeah. so unfortunate. Yeah. And now anytime she'll come downstairs, we'll be working and we're both working in the living room and she'll come downstairs and we have the classical music on and she like immediately puts her earbuds in because it just gives her like PTSD from elementary school. Mm. It's awful. I'm, pr I'm, I'm a little, honestly, more than a little pissed about it. And like the minute I found out that's what they were doing, I was like, 
I don't understand why you would do that. Do you realize yeah. the negative impact you're having? Yeah. Oh, they'll get yeah. over it. No, no, some no, they of them won't. never will. <laughs> no, they probably some won't. of them never will. All right. <laughs> well, it's been fun, ladies. Yeah. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, counteract that with some choice, Bugs Bunny. Well, look, players, we've been watching the um, funny episodes with the classical music. We were watching uh, Animaniacs uh, on Friday or yeah, it was a Friday night, Thursday night. We were watching Animaniacs. God, I forgot how much I love that show. It's it so, so good. stupidly it clever. It was yeah. so good. And Holly's yeah. all into it because it's 2D animation. So she's like, oh man, let's watch it. It's like perfectly, it's my type of animation. I was like, but it's the Animaniacs. Like it's 10 times funnier than like. <laughs> I didn't even it, know. Yeah, a little shout out if you haven't if you haven't subscribed to Hulu yet, do it just for Animaniacs, and it's yeah. commercial free because it's one of their originals, so you can watch it commercial free. All right, that's all I got. You guys good? All right, we're gonna be off for three weeks. Uh, we've got weekend things to go for the next three weeks. When we get back, we will finish up season three. Um, so stay tuned. There's still plenty of episodes to binge watch. If you haven't gone to podcasts yet. All of our season one and season two episodes are available for audio podcast download. So if you're just coming on board with Parenting Porcupines now, you can go back and binge listen to all of those audio podcasts. They're all available um, on Apple Music and on uh, Amazon Music and on Google Music and one other. Oh, and Spotify. And they're on Spotify as well. All the places. All right. Have a good few weeks, ladies, and I will see you after Labor Day. Bye, y'all.